The Retirement Remix, Episode 6, with Nancy Waring, CPA and President of Waring & Associates in Florence, South Carolina. You are listening to the Retirement Remix Podcast with award-winning financial advisor, host, author, and founder of a thriving financial planning company, Chip Munn. Here you'll get a regular dose of real-life retirement stories and inspiration from incredible, unique people just like you. Each episode features interviews with entrepreneurs, local business owners, CEOs, world travelers, and community leaders. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. Welcome back to the Retirement Remix. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today, pleased to be joined by my good friend, Nancy Waring. Nancy's a CPA, and she's the president of Waring Associates here in Florence. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chip. You know, you and I have had the, the pleasure of knowing each other for uh, a number of years, and in the interest of full disclosure, uh, you're also my accountant. But for the benefit of our listeners, take a minute and uh, and tell us kind of how you got into accounting, kind of what your career is like or has been like up until now. Well, I, I am happy to say today that I am an Auburn University graduate, and we had the pleasure of beating Alabama this last weekend in a great game. But um, yeah, graduated from Auburn, always wanted to be in public accounting, got my first job in Florence, been doing this for 42 years. I love the profession. It's got a tremendous amount of opportunities and it's very much evolved since I first started in. It's been uh, really interesting to be a part of that. And it's, it's a fabulous field. Well, I'm, I'm glad to know you have that much experience because it makes me, <laughs> makes me a lot more comfortable. One of the things that uh, you know we've talked about in, in some of our episodes is the idea of transitioning towards retirement. Now, I know that in addition to you being an accountant, you also have a husband who is recently retired. And so you have a some firsthand experience with how some of these things have gone not only with your clients, but in your household. What What are some of the tricky parts that you've seen for folks as they are trying to figure out kind of their next step? Maybe they're still in the corporate world and trying to figure out from a tax perspective, some of the things that might be tricky for them in the next few years. Well, I think one of the first steps that needs to be taken would be to sit down with you, their financial advisor, and take a look at what their portfolio looks like and the benefits and 401ks or whatever else they have that they're going to be entitled to when they do retire to see if they have enough money to even entertain the thought. And that is something that you as financial advisors do a really good job with to help people project out, you know, using a lot of assumptions, what their financial situation might look like. So I would say that would be step one. Then you've got to do some things like planning. So which pool of money do we want to start with? Or do we do a combination of money? And that's when the taxation of all that becomes important. One thing that I had forgotten my husband was not planning on retiring, but wound they he worked for Duke Energy and they came out with a severance package that was very generous for him. And so we felt like he was close to wanting to do that anyway, but we really hadn't even talked about it. So we did it. It's been a good decision. We did not realize the Medicare premium that can very much affect you if you're going to go on to Medicare when you 
retire, you know, if your company has not provided that as a benefit where they will continue to pay that for you. I don't know if there's that many companies doing that anymore because health insurance has become so costly. But if you don't have that benefit in your retirement package, then you really need to coordinate as best you can how you're going to pay for that Medicare premium. It is income-based and Medicare Social Security looks back two years on your individual tax return. There's a two-year look back. And whatever your total income is, there's a graduated rate of premium that will be charged to you. And so if both of you have been working, it's going to be pretty steep. So if, if you're thinking about retirement, if there's a way you could possibly maybe one go out first or one start working part-time or whatever, so you could start eliminating that expense, that would be a nice thing to do. I don't know how doable that would be for a lot of people, but that's one thing you might want to look at. Well, and it's, it's interesting because, uh, as I mentioned to you, part of the, the impetus for this show is to talk about different ways uh, of doing things. And, yeah, I've, I've seen and spoken to both on air and off folks who've done all kinds of different ways to, we'll say, do retirement. And right. uh, I think what you're advocating there is to first create a plan. And this isn't a commercial for us or, or any financial advisor, but that's what we're here to do is create a plan. But then also to take it a step farther to say, all right, here are some of the different things I'd like to be able to do. I know that, for example, Medicare is going to be, some of these supplements and such are going to be an expense. Really building all of those things into kind of a holistic picture. One of the things that I know that in talking with clients that sometimes gets a little bit murky is kind of how the tax system works. Now, our tax system, and correct me, Nancy, if I'm wrong, it's a progressive tax. Yes. So for the layperson, what does that mean? It means that the tax rates are graded. In other words, they increase according to income brackets. So if your income is between a certain dollar amount, you might be taxed at 12%. If your income is between another set of numbers, you might be taxed at 20% and it goes all the way up. It does make a difference when you start adding all your income together on what kind of tax you're going to pay. But that, that higher tax rate, right, is only on every incremental dollar above Certain that level, amount. Yes. And, and so yes. really, the way that I look at it real simply is each one of those income bands is like a bucket. And at some right. point, once you're in the bucket, every other dollar up until the bucket, that, that income bucket is full is at that particular rate. So for example, that's if, right. if they were in the minimum minimum bracket, and we're not going to get into numbers because number one, this isn't tax advice. This is really more just education. Yeah. But but if they were somewhere in, in that lower or lowest income band, or, or we'll, we'll say bucket, then from wherever they are to the top of that bucket, they're in the minimum, whatever income they earn between those two places is at the lowest possible tax rate. Right. That's right. So in other words, a lot of times people that are, you know, married, filing joint, and they're both working, there's been a problem with the W-4s, you know, the withholding allowances. The IRS is working now on trying to fix that because it's gotten people in trouble by not having enough taxes withheld out of their check. Because the way it works on your tax return is 
you put one W-2 to start with, then you take the next W-2 and it actually theoretically goes on top of the other W-2 that puts you up in a higher bracket. And in the past, the withholding tables have not taken any of that into consideration. So as you add more income to your tax return, it has the potential of putting you up into a higher bracket. So when you start doing retirement planning, what we've got some situations going on with is the client might say, okay, I I don't want to pay anything out of the 15% bracket. So we work with that with usually, you know, advisors and we look at what their regular, their like their requirement and distributions, their interest income, the things that we know they're not, we're not going to be able to do anything to eliminate. And then we see what the window of income is between their regular taxable items and then how much we've got left in that so-called bracket where they could do something else, such as take some money out of a, tr- a traditional IRA and maybe roll it over to a Roth and pay the tax on that distribution. But the good thing about that is once it's in that Roth, there's never any taxes to be paid on the earnings of that money. And that can be, a lot of people have been doing that for basically a legacy or estate planning to have that money theoretically is going to be designated to their kids. So one of the things, Nancy, that I, in talking with clients, have run across is for a lot of folks that they get toward the end of their career and they're accustomed to having one, two, maybe three sources of income. If there are a couple, maybe each of the spouses has one and they have some dividend and interest income from an investment portfolio or a bank account. When one of the things that I've seen, and I'm curious, kind of your take on it is all of a sudden when you retire, you may have even, you know, twice as many sources of income. And, and a lot of those, you know, in, in the normal, we'll say husband and wife case, each of them has that, that W-2 income where somebody's withholding taxes, but then you retire and you're in a situation where you're all these different income sources, and a lot of them don't withhold taxes. And so I can see and have seen where that can give people some trouble. Have you seen any of that? Yes. Well, when you, when you get to retire, when you start to retire and you notify whomever you're going to start receiving money from, be it IRA account or annuity or whatever it might be, uh, there's paperwork you have to sign saying, uh, you know, telling them how much you want. And then there's elections on there where you have to say you don't want any federal tax withheld or you do want some federal tax withheld. And then you tell them how much you want withheld. So we, we really try to educate our clients to be sure. I mean, we usually we do a lot of projections for them so they can either have it withheld from that sort, new source of income or they just pay quarterly estimated tax payments. And that depends on the individual, how they want to, how they want to do it. But one th- another thing is we're talking about all these different moving parts of different monies coming onto the tax return. One thing that people really get confused about is Social Security. There's really two questions you need to ask about Social Security. And the, the first one is, what happens when I want to start getting Social Security? What's going to happen? And that there's two answers to that. The first one is if you retire before your full retirement age and you start drawing Social Security, you're limited on what you can make. I'm talking about earned income. I'm not talking about rental income is not considered 
earned income, nor if you're the owner of a S corporation and you have a distribution from there, that's not earned income. But if you go out and, and have a W-2 or a 1099, then you are limited to how much you can make. And if you make over that amount, then you have to pay back $1 for every $2 over that amount. And that amount changes every year. So if you're going to get Social Security before retirement age, you need to know that. If you get Social Security at your full retirement age, you can earn as much as you want to. So that's the first question about Social Security. How much can I make or how much can I earn if I'm going to start drawing my Social Security benefits? The next question is, how much of my Social Security, once I start drawing it, is going to be taxable? So that's true no matter what age you are if you're drawing Social Security. Uh, it's, it's one of those great things that you get to pay tax on twice. <laughs> I mean, you've already paid for it out of your payroll check, and now when you start drawing it, you get to pay on it again. And there's a, a nice, complicated, imagine that, calculation to figure out what percentage of that Social Security that you've received is taxable. But the most that you're going to have to pick up in income on your individual return is 85% of what you get. So because that calculation is based on other income on your individual return, if you start getting retirement distributions or other things, you can wind up paying more tax on your on the Social Security that you're getting. So when, when you start getting to this retirement arena, but I guess it's like that on other aspects of life too, your tax return actually becomes like a moving target. <laughs> Because once you add things, uh, it increases, you know, tax on this thing. And once, you know, so there's a lot of things you got to consider. And I think the general assumption is that it gets easier. But what I'm hearing from you is, and, and again, I've seen in business, that's not necessarily the case. And, and I know a lot of folks who for years did their own taxes and upon getting to the place where where Duke Energy or, or the employer's not doing all the withholding, all of a sudden things feel a little bit more complicated. And I've, I've seen many people who are do-it-yourselfers go out and decide to get tax help from, from somebody like you after they've stopped working. Because what, what I've, I've heard, and I made some notes kind of while we were talking, is these are big decisions. You, you've got income coming in from lots of different places, dividends and interest. Maybe you have a pension, IRA distributions, some of which at some point being required may or may not have an annuity. But then you get into Social Security and what if I earn too much and how much is that going to cost me and am I really going to get... Is it worth it, you know? What, what my benefit is. And then even then how much of it is going to be taxable. And so I guess all that to say, it's just complicated. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, it, it seems like retirement would put us in a position where things got simple. But these days, there are just a lot of, and, and you know, if you have multiple sources of income in retirement, I mean, frankly, it's a success problem, right? But Yeah, it's a good problem. But, but... It, it also presents an opportunity. It presents opportunities to do with the proper plan. You can get creative. And I think that from my standpoint, in an ideal world, you just want to maximize your opportunity you know, with this newfound flexibility that you have. Because for a lot of people, if you went to work and you made $75,000 a year, I mean, there's no flexibility in that. 
your job's going right. to pay you, and you're going to pay taxes. You know, the, Uncle Sam is the most efficient collector uh, of anybody because they, they they take their money before you even get yours uh, out of your paycheck. But that's not the case when you're not getting a W two when you're not getting a check from your job anymore. Well, yeah, the best part of what I think we do from a tax standpoint is the planning. And usually when people retire, it can be a, a pretty big transition. But after a couple of years, you know, after they've seen how it's going to work out and they understand a little bit more of what's happening, things usually settle down. They, they feel a whole lot better about what's going on. But it, but it is different. When you've been a W-2 person all your life, like you said, they're in a whole lot of anything you can do with that other than, you know, deferring some through retirement accounts or whatever. But when you, when you start getting these other sources of income, I mean, there's different investments you could do to reduce your taxation and, you know, a lot of other things. So that becomes kind of fun, the fun part of it. Well, and, and I'm glad to know that there's a fun part of accounting. <laughs> I, I think that for a lot of us, we don't have any interest in, again, you know, I put all my stuff in a folder and drop it off at your office. I, I have no interest in the fun, even the fun part of accounting. But one of the things that a lot of times uh, when clients ask me about finding somebody to help them with their taxes, you know, I, I always equate it to, it's a lot like a, a newscast. When I look for somebody to help with taxes, I want somebody who's more like a weatherman than an anchor. Yeah. Yeah, I want somebody who's going to sit down, look out into the future, give me a forecast based on some information and be forward looking versus uh, I've seen and and no offense to the profession because I'm sure that accountants could have lots of stories about financial advisors. But in a lot of cases, what we see is is folks who are just reporting the news. And, and and that's, you know, for those who are listening, as clients of accountants, you know, we're responsible for making sure that we get them the information before. You know, the, the bad part about uh, taxes is that come January 1st, for the most part, everything that's gone on in that prior year, for the most part, uh, it's over. I mean, there's Absolutely. no... And you have to be kind of in advanced planning you know, for that is, is incredibly important. Well, you know, that's one of the hardest things about this business. And we really try to educate our clients in that if you've got something big going on, like if you've got a second house sale or you're, I mean, whatever it might be, you know, a significant amount of financial transactions going on, you need to come in and let us take a look at it because we could very possibly save you money. It's very frustrating for me when clients come in here and they've already done it, like you said, and there's very little you can do in a significant way. I mean, there's a few things, but not a lot. And I know uh, a girl in our rotary, in my rotary group, just happened to be talking to her at a meeting one week and she said, well, you know, and I was her, I did her tax return and she said, well, you know, we're getting ready to sell our beach house. And I said, oh, really? And, and she said, yeah. We're going to go ahead and, oh, she said, no, we're going to buy a beach house. We've been waiting for the longest time to buy that beach house. And I said, okay. And she said, so we're just going to get a distribution out of our 401k. I said, well, how much are you paying for that beach house? And she said, oh, it's $350,000. And I said, oh, my gosh, have you gotten that money yet? And she said, no. I said, well, okay, let me just go back 
to the office and project out for you how much that would cost you. And I think what you probably need to do instead is go call a bank and start working through getting a loan for that thing. Because she wasn't 59 and a half, so she would have the 10% penalty plus the tax, and they were both engineers. And when I figured that thing up and called her, she said, oh my gosh. I said, yeah, do, do not do that. <laughs> And again, that that gets into that. That's not necessarily so for those listening in advance, well in advance of any potential, you know, wind down or retirement, the planning of all these kinds of things. The unfortunate part about tax mistakes is that in my experience, most of them are not reversible. It's not one of those things that's easy to go back and, you know, for example, you take money out of your IRA or 401k and pay the penalty and for a very short window of time, you could pay the money back. But after right. that, you owe the taxes. And, and so it's it's a whole lot easier to be, um, you know, to, to be proactive in that. Now, Nancy, when somebody wants to come in, if, if somebody listening wanted to know what all's involved in kind of proactive tax planning. What what does somebody need to to even get started? Well, I think the biggest thing is if you're just concerned about your situation. You know, if you're in transition and you're wondering how it's going to all work in the year that you're going to do this, that would be a good time to come ahead of time and just we would sit down and see what you had. And, And what I would do is I would meet with you and get the information. Then I would go back and do some tax projections seeing what it would look like with different scenarios. And, and that, that really doesn't, uh, it's not a, a real laborious thing, but it kind of gives you a ballpark idea of using, you know, assumptions of, of what it would look like. I think that's a, a really good plan. And I tell you, I think our clients are doing really good about that because they, they call us pretty regularly out of tax season if they've got something big going on and, and we're figuring it up for them, you know, what it's going to look like. Because especially before you do it. <laughs> well, it's nice to know the real cost of things. And I think yeah, that, that yeah. sometimes, you know, we've had conversations with clients about whether or not they want to kind of, you were talking about the mortgage, take a mortgage or sell some of their investments or, or do they want to, how do bridge loans work? And, right. you know, and, and a lot of things. So speaking of that, a lot of things have changed over the last few years in, in terms of the tax code. And again, I just, I'll probably say this a couple more times. We're not giving tax advice. We're just talking and trying to educate folks so that they can go to their professionals and have a conversation or they're welcome to call us, but just to have a conversation about their specific circumstances. But there have been a handful of pretty meaningful changes over the last couple of years that have changed some of the the planning tactics. One one of those is the change in the standard deduction. What what have you seen that mean for, for your clients? Well, when the tax law was being addressed and they were, you know, talking about it when back in December of 17, uh, they were talking about how they were going to double the standard deduction and they were going to give us a postcard. Well, they did. They doubled the standard deduction, but what they kind of said under their breath that nobody called was they were also eliminating, eliminating the personal exemptions. Okay. So we used to have a standard deduction and the, it was a choice of taking a standard deduction or if you had more in itemized deductions, then you took the better of the two. And then you also got personal exemption deduction for each dependent on your tax return. Well, beginning in 2018, the dependency exemption went away 
and they did double your standard deduction. But with families, young families with three and four kids that really lived modestly, they didn't come out so well because they lost the personal exemption and they got the standard deduction. But between the two, they actually wound up in, in with more taxable income. But what did happen with that, even though their taxable income became higher, the tax rates did go down. So uh, it, it was really hard to say with this new law, you know, which group benefited. It, that was really, I mean, I don't think I could say a standard group that benefited more so than other, except the one of the biggest things I think was some of the tax credits. But so that standard deduction, it wasn't as good as what I think people thought it was going to be. It ended up from a, a planning perspective, some of the tools that perhaps we might have used either were less applicable or we just have to use different tools now because things that used to be deductible now aren't. And yeah. whereas with a lower standard deduction, people would make a lot of decisions and, and kind of factor in that real cost of things, the fact that there was a tax benefit. Right. And now the tax benefit isn't there. And, and so it just changes. Again, that, that's just a, another example of the way that we used to do it. If you've been doing things the same way for five years, let's say, for example, the tax law has changed dramatically. Right. And so just revisiting that might make a lot of sense. Well, you know, we're telling people, and we did this last year after we uh, ran the, well, actually we did it when we did 17, we ran, when we did their 17 return, we projected out 18, trying to let them know, you know, how they were going to be affected with the law that we knew at that moment, which wasn't much because they passed it in December of 17. But we tried to let people know, you know, a year ahead of time with as much as we knew at that moment, that time. And then this past year, uh, we've been letting people, when we filed their 2018 tax return, there were some folks that we said, hey, you know what? You're not even close to having enough to itemize, so don't waste your time. Unless you have something very un unusual, you know, uh, happen to you. And I would explain to them what those things could be. But I said, you know, you can just take this off your list. <laughs> Right. Yeah, Dude. for sure. Uh, it, you know, and so Nancy, as we're kind of winding down, if you could give, again, the average person who, who is considering or, or preparing for or maybe, I mean, already in retirement, one piece of advice, if there was one thing they could do today, what's one thing that they could do either to clean up their 2019 uh, situation before filing their taxes or to prepare for 2020 and to make it a better year than, than 2019? Okay, well, that there's a lot that could cover a lot of areas. But um, one of the things that is a really great tax move, and it is becoming towards the end of the year, and that means people that are having to do required minimum distributions from their retirement accounts are going to have to take those monies. There's a provision in the law where if you designate your RMD, your required minimum distribution, to go directly to a 501c, a tax-exempt organization, that distribution does not show up on your individual tax return. And then again, you don't get the deduction, obviously. 
But what that means is if you've got, if you've made a pledge to your church and you're going to give them the money anyway, it makes so much sense to do that because it's, it doesn't show up as income on your, on your tax return. So it'll put you probably in a lower tax bracket. And then if it's going to put you in a lower tax bracket, you could say, well, you know, I'm still down here in this low bracket. Let me look at my IRAs over here. Would I maybe want to roll over some of those traditional IRAs over into a Roth IRA? Would that make sense for me this year? So those are some things that as it's getting close to the end of the year, maybe not everybody has made those decisions yet. And they could look at that. Thank you, Nancy. I think it's important for us just kind of in route. To point out, if you're listening and if it was confusing for you, it's just a lot of stuff. All that to say, if you're wondering how your different sources of income are going to play, Social Security is going to be tested, how you might deal with some of these Medicare considerations, reach out and talk to somebody. Again, whether it's your tax preparer or CPA or financial advisor, take some time here in 2020 at a minimum taking a look at how to make 2020 a better year. This is Nancy and I calling you to action, to do something about it, to take this and to use some of these ideas. Make 2020 a great year. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Uh, hopefully we can get you back after tax season to uh, get ready for making things even better. It, it's constantly changing. Okay, thanks. I really enjoyed it. And you know, let me just say one other thing. I think if I have one thing to say, and I think I can say this for you too, be a planner. Things are going to happen. So you got to be proactive. Yeah. I, I had somebody say not long ago, don't let life happen to you. Uh, yeah. Don't let retirement happen to you. Don't let taxes happen right. to you. The serenity prayer, uh, you know, talks about controlling what we can and right. letting go of what we can't. And and here's the thing. A lot of stuff talked about today is controllable yeah. to some extent. And so, hey, listen, don't let life happen to you. Make a plan for it. That's what that's what we're here for. Don't don't let taxes happen to you. Uh, all of these things have rules for Nancy Waring and for me and the rest of us at Max Advisor. We thank you for tuning in. We've created a quick guide to help you get started. Go to theretirementremix.com to download the six steps to finding your remix. Or go to signaturewealth.com to learn more about how our financial planners can help you. Subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts or listen at theretirementremix.com.